Hope your week is off to a great start, everyone. Thank you for spending part of tonight with us. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, downtown Los Angeles at L.A. Live. And from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks, here's the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams at 2-1, and one, Sean McVay. Uh, coach, good evening. How are you? I'm good, J.B. I'm, uh, I'm excited about uh, you know being able to move forward and, and get ready for the Giants this week. What did you find yourself thinking about on that long cross-country flight home? I think we learned a lot about our football team. You know, uh, I think there was a lot of reasons, uh, definitely a, a big responsibility of mine why we fell in that hole. But, you know, there's a choice you can make. You can continue to battle and just chip away a little bit at a time. Or, you know, you see a lot about, about teams when they face real adversity. And yesterday was that for us. And, you know, even though we didn't end up getting the result we wanted, uh, I learned a lot about this football team. I, I love this football team. I like the character. I like the mental toughness. And I think we got a lot of stuff that we can draw on while knowing that uh, it's a humbling league. You got to make sure that you get better every single week. And um, we're looking forward to getting ready for the, for the giants this week. But, but man, um, you know, a lot of really good stuff to draw on um, even though it didn't end up our way to be able to come back from down 25 and go on a 29 0 run against a, a really tough football team, I think was a reflection of all three phases and, uh, very impressed with that. See, I, this is why I love ball because there's always another one coming up, so you get a chance to to right the wrong. But you know, I, when you have a, a a comeback, when you're you come roaring back and you come up short, uh, and you're trying to make sense of it all, is the is the best coaching point. We should have started better, but when you turn on the tape, that doesn't actually pan out. So, you know, how do you explain the start? I I, I get the comeback, but how do you explain the start of the game that puts you in the hole? <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I think a lot of it was a result of some decisions I made to Marco that gave them some short fields. They capitalized, and we didn't finish drives offensively when we were moving the ball pretty efficiently throughout the course of the day. We just didn't have points to reflect that. And, you know, I, I heard something a couple years ago uh, when you, you know, I, it was actually last year when we ended up losing to Seattle on a last second field goal and uh, in the fifth week of the season. And, and John Fossil and I were sitting there talking about it. And, he said his dad used to do something on games that would come down to the last play that determined whether you win or you lose. And in a lot of instances, it was a kick. But yesterday, it was a fourth and eight. And he said, if you pause it right there and you say, how do you feel about your team's performance, not knowing what the result of the next play is, how much does that change your ability to handle it regardless, knowing that it never comes down to one play, even though sometimes the final play can determine whether you win or lose the game. And that's always given me a good perspective, especially in a game like yesterday when uh, you know, surely the outside in narrative would be a lot different had uh, we've been able to deliver and that doesn't happen and you're at three and oh, but I think if you have an inside out approach and you're understanding uh, what you can truly take from it and, and how we can use it as an opportunity to learn and that setback can be a setup for a comeback. I think that's really powerful and that's exactly what we're going to do. All right. So we only get to ask it once, only need to ask it once since we're there already. What are your final thoughts on the pass interference on Darius Williams that had it not been called would have left your Rams at three and oh? Yeah, I think, um, I think you're never going to get me to make an excuse for something that doesn't go our way. Uh, there's a lot of plays that led to that being uh, one of the, you know, the, the final plays in that game. But uh, thought, you know, Darius played it the way that we expect him to, but I'm not going to uh, get into a, you know, questioning of the officials' judgments. That's not my job. My job is to coach our football team better and, and find a way to get better results. Oh, I, I, I know you. I, I know you can't wait for practice. I know you can't wait for Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. can't. Uh, just uh, moving ahead, um, is it fair to say your offensive line is, has gelled together? I mean, you've had a switch at left guard. David Edwards is in. 
the running game with Daryl Henderson was unbelievable. Can you say your offensive line is gelled, and can you say that you found your running back? Yeah, I think uh, I think through three weeks they've definitely gelled. I think they've done a nice job. I think there was a lot of positives against a really tough defense yesterday. Uh, I think Daryl's put together two really good weeks back to back. I think Malcolm Brown's still a big part of it, and you know we're looking forward to getting Cam back, whether that's next week or the following week. But uh, a lot of good positives. I think you know as well as I do, Demarco. The season is very young, and three games is an extremely small inventory. Uh, of how much football we have left for sure in at least 13 games. Speaking of that three-game sample size, it's been proposed to me by a few people in the last 24 hours who follow the Rams closely that 2-1 and one this season might actually feel better than 3-0 and oh did 12 months ago. Is there any truth to that from inside the facility? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, I think we're a better 2-1 and one football team than we were at 3-0. and oh. uh, When you think about... Uh, how we ended up winning on that Sunday night game against the Browns in week three last year. Um, I, I, I think that uh, you could get so caught up in some of the results that you lose sight of the process along the way. And I do believe that we're a better football team than we were last year at this time, even though the record is different. I feel you. That makes sense. I mean, you got a good feel of what these guys can do. I mean, just when you start the comeback, 29 unanswered points, it seems like at the same time the entire roster just went to a different level. And I don't know if that was you, a halftime speech, or somebody on the sideline, but to a man, every one of your players started to pick it up like they understood what was at stake. Yeah, and I, it's the players, man. I mean, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to that's going to create that. I think uh, you know, if we're relying on those kind of things, then we got the wrong process. I think it's about just sticking to the one play at a time mindset mentality. I think it was truly reflective of a team effort. You know, you look at the two turnovers our defense creates. Had some short fields. Offense was able to capitalize. You know, Sam's hitting his extra points and, and driving kickoffs deep to prevent a really dangerous returner uh, like Andre Roberts to be able to get his ops. And, you know, th- those guys just picked it up. And I think they felt like, uh, you know, they knew what they were capable of. But just the, the, the fact that they didn't flinch, and especially when you think about it, we were down 21-3. And then, you know, we end up turning the ball over on downs and, uh, and they score and make it 28-3. to For the guys that just keep battling, love this team, um, and uh, while, while we're not satisfied with the result, we can really look at the process and understand that if using and, and understood the right way, this can be a, uh, an opportunity for us to, to grow from. I, I said that's a nod to culture. Most teams or bad football teams, and I use that loosely, would fold in that situation. You know what I mean? If there's a bad culture, you're looking for something bad to happen so you can hang your head versus the opposite of what we saw in Buffalo. Yeah, I think you're right, DeMarco, and I, I think it is a reflection of the caliber of men we have in that locker room, high-character guys that have a lot of pride and that are going to continue to compete. And uh, and that was, uh, you know, the, the tape always reveals the truth, and when you flip the tape on, you know, that's that's what it says to me. Talking with head coach Sean McVay from the facility in Thousand Oaks downtown here in Los Angeles with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Coach, where are we on the injury front going into week four? Yeah, we're, we're in a pretty good place. You know, when you, when you, when you look at the uh, significant amount of injuries that have occurred around the league, got some guys banged up. You know, Fuller missed some time yesterday, had his shoulder a little bit banged up, but he'll be day-to-day. I, I would expect him to be ready to go for the Giants and same thing with Josh Reynolds and Sebastian Joseph Day with just some minor ankles. They were able to still finish the game. Fuller was the only one that didn't finish the game. But I think those guys will be in good shape, and then we'll, uh, we'll see where Cam Akers is at with the rib injury that he sustained against, uh, against the Eagles last week. 
Sean, it is the first time in your career losing in the 10 a.m. Pacific window. First of all, congratulations, because here in early year four, that's remarkable, especially when you include a couple wins in London. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but any second guessing the decision to come home between games this time around? No, no, definitely. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it's ultimately about finding a way to play really good football in that three-and-a-half, four-hour window that you get. And, uh, you know, like we said, I think uh, there's a lot of things that led to us not getting the outcome that we wanted, but there's a lot of things that we can take from that game as well. All right, now that we've got some of the housekeeping out of the way, let's relive the 25-point comeback with Sean McVay next. We'll go through the key plays, and he'll tell us how he saw it through his eyes in Orchard Park as we continue on the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. Welcome back on a Monday night from downtown Los Angeles to Marco Farr and J.B. Long, the head coach of your Rams. Sean McVay is with us. It would have been the biggest come-from-behind win in Rams history. One penalty marker away or perhaps a different juncture in the road from coming all the way back to win it. Instead, the Rams are 2-1. and one. They're back at SoFi Stadium. They've got the Giants next. Uh, but as we bring Sean McVay back into the fold, look, we don't want to overlook so many of the good things that happened along the way. So we'd love to relive some of the finer moments through your eyes. And if we can, just start with the Diggs touchdown around Ramsey for 28-3. to And, Sean, maybe you can put us on the Rams sideline emotionally at that moment. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, there was a lot. Of, I, I never really sensed any sort of panic. I think we were all a little bit surprised that it got out of hand the way that it did. But you know, when I really reflect back on it, I think a lot of it was a result of some of the decisions that I have a responsibility for as a head coach and trying to limit uh, putting our guys in bad spots. I thought we gave our defense some really short fields uh, from some of those decisions that I had made, whether it's fourth down, go for it, or long field goal attempts. And, you know, that's where um, you got to continue to evaluate yourself just like you do your team. And so uh, I'll be better. I'll learn from those opportunities. But I never sensed any sort of panic. I think, uh, you know, we're always in the solution mindset as far as how do we fix problems and how do we just chip away one play at a time. And uh, once we kind of settled in and, and we're able to make a couple plays offensively and get on the board by scoring our first touchdown, uh, I thought that was reflected in the team's overall energy and guys feeding off of one another. And there was a lot of good things uh, during that momentum where you go 29 points straight uh, unanswered. Yeah, Malcolm Brown's run down to the angle situation was a pad-popping moment that DeMarco Farr, you could have made some movie sound effects on that one, right, to set up the golf sneak? I mean, some guys run for daylight. It seems like Malcolm runs for, like, impact and pain. Uh, he's look, physical, man. He's very physical. I mean, look, if, you, if you've if you got the perfect compliment, and I think you do with Henderson, with, with Malcolm Brown, it just you can just punish a defense for four straight quarters. But real quick – is it when you're talking about things you could do better are you talking about i should have run it versus pass it or i should have passed it versus run it that sort of stuff uh, i'm talking about as much as even the first down or the first drive of the game when you know we're, we're we're on the 26 yard line we end up taking a sack to go minus eight and even something like that to kick the field goal in a, in a windy atmosphere with a young kicker who i ah. think is going to have a real bright future uh, I think the fourth down and four coming out of the half that gives them the ball in the 48-yard line, those are the things where you want to minimize the short fields. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, against a good offense. And, and I didn't think that I did our defense any favors on a couple of those possessions that led to touchdowns and some of the things that got us in that 28-3 to deficit. All right, let's pick up the narrative. In the third quarter, just under five minutes to go, and the Rams find Pater for the first time with the Jared Goff sneak. Goff? Goes under center, empty backfield. In motion from the right side, Robert Woods. Goff will sneak it and punch it in. Touchdown, L.A. 
4.47 to go in the third before the Rams get their first touchdown. 28-9, the new score. All right, so a PAT brings the Rams within 18 points. And, Sean, you know at this point your defense has to contribute as well. Uh, and did they ever? John Johnson battling Tyler Croft on a play that ultimately was ruled an interception on the field and upheld by replay review. Huge. Yeah, that, that was a huge turnaround. And then for the offense to get back on the field and, and, and flip it to get it to 28-17 to 17 in two plays where – you know, you end up hitting Higby on the big play, um, you know, and then you end up being able to have Robert Woods on from 25 out, be able to do a great job, run after catch, Jared, find his quick element, throw on a boot. Um, that was just a real quick shift in the momentum. And, you know, and then you look at it, what, what happens the next drive, Aaron ends up, uh, you know, getting the ball back to us a couple drives later that, that ended up being the drive that we took the lead and, and went up 32 to 28. So, uh, it was truly a team effort, but uh, a lot of good things in the midst of that comeback where we just kind of chipped away a little bit at a time, but it seemed like we overcame that deficit pretty quickly. Aaron's a great negotiator. Either give me the ball or I rip your arm off. I'd give That's him the right. ball. Uh, the I second part, so. when you call a sneak, um, how do you feel from the sideline? Because I just thought about it. That's the one play you really can't practice. You can yeah. talk about it and kind of rep it, but you really can't go live in practice with a quarterback sneak, can you? I feel good. No, you can't. And I feel really good because I've, I trust the strength of our interior line and the push we get and the feel that Jared has for kind of finding those spot, soft spots and be able to get that push. And especially when you look at the play leading up to that where Malcolm did a great job of having a tough run. I, I want to say we we're probably on the seven and he gets it down to the half inch yard line and, or, you know, inside the one. And, and you're saying, all right, well, let's uh, – Let's just try to punch this in where you're, you're not really going backwards to get the exchange, and that was just the thought process there. All right, so Robert Woods going back to Orchard Park, the team that drafted him. Here was that 25-yard touchdown the second of the day for the Rams. Play clock at 15 as Goff stands up and makes his call. Josh Reynolds is a single to the left side. Goff boots out right, pressure in his face, gets rid of it quickly. Caught by Robert Woods, downfield the 20, cuts outside 15, Woods the 10, gets a block, Robert Woods, Back in Buffalo, touchdown LA! What a majestic catch and run from Robert Woods, weaving his way through Orchard Park to make it 28-16. All right, so the Rams are back on defense, and Sean, to this point you have not hit the opposing quarterback, Josh Allen, much, but on third down, Leonard Floyd is the first to collect a sack. How massive was that on defense? It was huge. You know, it, it was huge, and um, you know, and then that next drive was reflective of a 97-yard drive by the offense. But but for Leonard to get home, slow a little bit of their momentum, and you could feel that was really when the the momentum started to shift in our favor. You get two touchdowns in the previous two drives. We got the turnover that really sparked it from JJ, and then to get the third down stop that forces them to punt was uh, was big. Where you could really just feel a lot of confidence on uh, on our team and. Um, and excitement that, hey, get the ball back, and, and the, the defense was able to keep uh, a really explosive offense from getting any sort of production during that streak. On that catch and carry for touchdown, Robert Woods, um, the thing that stood out when I watched the film is Cooper Cup is a nice man because he could have absolutely took that corner's head off at the end. He just kind of walled him off so Rob could score. But yeah, that he's was smart that, because he knows yeah. that would have been an illegal block. You know, you <laughs> can't go back towards your other end zone, so – I think he would have had a lot of uh, a lot of explaining to do had he taken that <laughs> shot 
because the touchdown wouldn't have counted, and I can assure you that uh, I would have been real pissed on the <laughs> sideline. Coach, I, I, I would just have to apologize. I might have to take that hit. And um, Josh Reynolds, a couple of nice blocks to spring Robert Woods on that touchdown run. Yeah, a lot of a couple of nice blocks without a doubt. And, and Josh, I thought, made some key catches, uh, especially when you look at that next scoring drive to really get us out of a backed-up situation on a big in-breaking play action uh, from the minus three. All right, so speaking of that next scoring drive, you have to go the length of the field. And, yes, it was ultimately a Cooper Cup touchdown reception, but, man, did Jared Goff make some big-time throws along the way. Let's go down to third and 11 if we can. And here's the Cooper Cup catch to start that drive. Goff alone in the shotgun. Big throwing opportunity here. Will the pocket hold up? Goff climbs. Goff deals. It is caught at the 35 right side by Cooper Cup. Third down and Cup. Move the chains. First down ram. Sean, your offense has been in some really favorable situations, time, score, uh, down and distance through two weeks. That was not the case in Buffalo, and it seemed like Jared Goff rose to the occasion in the pocket. He really did, JB. I, I thought that was as uh, positive a thing as I took away from yesterday is our ability to protect up front, his ability to sit in the pocket, trust it, keep his eyes down the field, be able to move it if we did get edged anywhere. You know, that play and then Robert's on Robert Woods' conversion on the third and eight on that same drive I thought were instrumental uh, plays to, to really keep a, a long drive alive, and, and they did a great job there. Is it just me or does he look better in the pocket, the way he's moving, finding spots? He, he looked be- he, he does, and I thought yesterday was as good a game as he's played uh, being able to move. I thought yesterday was his best day, especially when you think about the caliber of the opponent and some of the situations that, that he was placed in to, to have to deliver coming from behind. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of really encouraging things that, that uh, he can feel that, our, that uh, our team can feel with him playing that way. That drive ends up with the Cooper Cup 16-yard touchdown. It brings the deficit to five. So you're going for two. And, and Sean, I wonder, going into a week, how many two-point conversion play calls do you want in your inventory? Are they in their separate category, or are they part of an and-short group that you have normally for other situations? Yeah, I think it really depends on, uh, you know, what are some of the, the, the defensive calls that are being activated. And in a lot of instances, when you look at your end goal from the two, um, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of those same types of calls when you go for a two-point conversion. So there is some carryover. You know, you're saying, all right, if it's a third down and two or a fourth down and two, you know, those are kind of the same inventory of plays that you would activate because typically the coordinator's play calls are reflective of, of similar things as two-point conversions. And so, you know, I, I think you've got about, uh, you know, four to five plays typically in a given week that you can choose from that – that are usually two-point plays slash third and goal from, you know, around the three. Uh, Coach, uh, just a quick question. Um, when it comes to the screen game, I, I, I'm going to give Buffalo all credit. I'll give the defense credit. They, they seem to sniff those things out. But either they had a key, they knew it was coming, or they heard something. Uh, is, is the stadium being dead silent? We talked about this before. I mean, do you have to change some things for, for defenses being in tune with your verbiage? Uh, you know, I think you're aware of those words. Uh, you know, when you think about some of the screens, I think some of them was execution. And then, you know, the one uh, that Milano sniffed out to Malcolm, they were in a match coverage principle. And, you know, that was probably a real conservative call where I just said, let's make sure we come away with points, not give ourselves a chance to go back at all. And, and Milano matched it and he did a good job. But that was more of a bad play call there. And then um, and then same thing with the screen that we threw to Robert Woods later versus a man coverage. You know, those are – those are things that are more a bad play call than them truly sniffing it out versus some of the coverages 
Uh, but you do give them credit. You know, uh, we had a nice one to Higby for about eight yards on a tight end screen. And we had an opportunity to hit a big one um, that we just kind of missed the execution uh, to Daryl earlier in the game. But uh, I don't think it was anything that, that we kind of tipped off. I thought it was more a result of, uh, you know, some bad, bad play calls in those situations that they did a nice job. So you give credit to them. But then I also say uh, I have to be better as a decision maker. All right, a couple more high points along the way as the Rams erase what was a 25-point deficit, and we've reached the uh, Aaron Donald portion of the program. He gets <laughs> yep, a couple of sacks. Um, let, let's pick up the second sack. After a false start, Aaron does it again, and this one was a strip sack. Third and 22 from the pocket. Pressure in his face. Aaron Donald rips him to the turf and jumps on the football. A strip sack, and Donald and the Rams take over. At you midfield, Aaron Donald does it again. Well, you can't make a comeback like the one you did if your star players don't show up, and it seemed like uh, the switch flipped for Aaron at exactly the right time, Sean. It, sh it sure did. I mean, you talk about making big-time plays in moments that we needed it the most, and that that situation right there surely was reflective of it, you know, because, uh, you know, at, at that point right there, it was 25 to 28. He gets us a turnover on a short field, and, you know, we were able to punch it in a couple plays later, but uh, you know he came up big in a, in a lot of ways, and you know you can't say enough about him. Hey, I'll never disrespect the greats, but I'll just say that play will live forever in some place. Uh, now, looking at his stats, would have really lived forever had we pulled it out. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to see that highlight forever. Certain plays, yes. yeah. Um, Ad half the sacks, half the pressures, half the hits. Um, love it. That's great. But I would love it if someone else would join the party. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, we'll continue to look for that. It's always a team effort, but, uh, you know, he's a special player and uh, we got to continue to get guys producing at his level. And, and really, uh, you know, when he's able to set the tone, usually he brings people with him. And I think that's what we'll see as we move forward. Of course, Daryl Henderson capped a six-play drive, uh, runs weak between Witt and Edwards and gives the Rams their first lead. It looked great for the Rams at that point. Uh, as for, for Henderson specifically, who's coming off his best game as a pro now, you know, I don't know that I've ever conceptualized him, Sean, as a lead back because he was drafted as a compliment to Todd and then this year part of a committee with another draft pick, Akers. Does a performance like that cast him in a lead role moving forward? I think, uh, you know, we still feel really good about our group and – uh, he played outstanding. He took a lead role yesterday. I think uh, you feel good about his ability to play really well against a very difficult defense that commits a lot of guys to the run front. And um, I, I think he's really built uh, a lot of confidence up over these last couple of weeks with what he's been able to do. But we all know what Malcolm Brown's capable of. And, and you know, we think Cam is a young ascending player. So you, you, you know, you need those backs. I think we feel really good about that group that we have under Coach Brown's leadership, and we'll continue to move forward. But, but Daryl has definitely done a great job of continuing to carve out a big role for himself on this team. Though we wish it had, the game did not end there. Uh, Croft brings in a three-yard touchdown from Allen, and Buffalo ends up winning it after a penalty. And we'll talk about some of the defensive breakdowns and what the Rams might hope to clean up as they look ahead to week four and a home game against the New York Giants as we continue with the Coach McVay Show here on 710 ESPN. Thanks for spending some of your Monday night with us. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, coach, at various points in your career, you've told us that you like to kind of break the season up into quarters. I'm wondering if that's the case again here in 2020, and if so, uh, the Giants game here on Sunday would be the uh, the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you know I, I think it's something that you talk about, but, uh, you know, when it's a long season, I think you want to have, you know, your temporary milestones and things you want to be able to accomplish, and, 
you know, really the, the biggest thing that we try to do is just keep it a one week at a time and be where our feet are planted and be totally present. And, you know, for us, it's about understanding what occurred in that game yesterday. What can we learn from it? And then how can we use uh, those things as opportunities to move forward and get ready for the Giants? And it does reflect, uh, you know, finishing up the first quarter of the season with our first four games. And, and the goal is obviously to get to three and one. In about 24 minutes, we're going to be done with this game. Buffalo It's going to be over. You're going to move on to New York. Um, you said yes. you... You love your team. You like your team. This is a good football team, and you're proud of the way they roared back. Uh, do you have concerns about them holding on to this mentally? No, I don't. I, I think uh, unless I had to talk about it with you guys right now, I'd be ready to move on from yeah. it as well. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I, I don't have any concerns. If anything, I think the ability to handle yesterday the way they did is a reflection of, of why I'm not concerned about holding on to it, but – in fact, using uh, the things we learned and, and understanding the importance of how tough and how humbling this league is. We got a lot of experienced guys and we got a lot of young guys that do respect and appreciate uh, the magnitude and the difficulty of what every single week entails in this league. And um, no matter who you're playing, you got to be able to bring it. And uh, every single win is something that uh, is hard earned and, and earned, I think, is the key word. And we got to be able to go do that again this week. You know, Sean, most points the defense has allowed in a game, albeit a small sample size, three weeks, but it seemed like coverage busts were a through line to that week three performance. As you watch the game back on film, any any common denominator there in terms of what was happening in coverage behind your pass rush? No, you know, I, I don't really think so. I, I think uh, I think you got to give credit to Josh Allen. He was able to extend a handful of plays, and anytime that you do that, it is going to mess up sometimes the integrity of what it looks like coverage-wise on the back end, and you know, they had some good route combinations, but, you know, you give them credit. They, they did a nice job, but but I think sometimes what appears to be a coverage bust really isn't that. And uh, there's always so much detail that goes into every single snap when there's 22 moving parts uh, every play. And there's a lot of good things that we did. And then there's a couple plays that you just got to tip your cap to tip, tip your cap to Josh Allen and say, Great job extending it and, and being able to create off schedule where in some instances they're, they're just playing a little backyard ball and their guys did a nice job of working off schedule for them. I went berserk in the booth when they called him for face mask. Finally, finally you called a quarterback for something like that. Finally. There you go. Thank God. I was glad about that as well. Uh, you know, Just when you have situations to where big plays happen on defense and – the last thing I would want to see or anybody would want to see when you turn around to see what happened is guys pointing at each other. If you yep. get beat physically, that's one thing. But if you get beat because you weren't where you're supposed to be and you violated the trust of the defense, that would start to wear on me personally as a player, if that makes yep. any sense. Oh, it would. But I think uh, you would probably echo this, that uh, when you were in, on those teams where you're winning a world championship, there's extreme ownership from everybody. And that's what we look for, the accountability and the willingness. You know, anytime somebody says, my bad, I got to get it fixed, how much does that drop your guard? It's when people make excuses and try to rationalize that that you say, hey, man, we, we got to have some understanding of, we got to go, go all go get this done. And I never sensed that yesterday. All I sensed was guys wondering, what can I do to, to, to be a part of the solution? Do my 111th. Um, and if we all have that approach, coaches, players alike, that's where you can solve problems as opposed to letting – small things become bigger than what they need to if you have the right approach to how we respond. It's always about that response, and um, and that's what we talk about, and that's what our players reflect. Continuing on defense a bit, great challenge on the Morgan Fox sack on that last Bills drive, risking your final timeout in the process, and it seems like uh, Fox has had at least two really good weeks to start this 2020 season. 
He's done a great job. Uh, you know, he's really playing good football. Coach Henderson's out, uh, such an outstanding coach, and I think he's really taken a lot of those points uh, of emphasis that that Coach Henny talks about week in and week out, and translating it to his play. And you know, that was uh, that was a great job by Shane Waldron recognizing it. He and Thad Bogardus up top being able to get it communicated, and uh, and then we get the challenge out and, and what was uh, you know a good play for us at the time. Makes me think of another question related to timeouts, and I'm sure you would always love to have all three of them available deep in the fourth quarter, but at the same time, I totally get why you feel necessary like to utilize them at what feels like other critical junctures, right? You've done it throughout your tenure with the Rams. What, is yep. that, what does that tension feel like on your end in terms of timeout usage in the first and especially the third quarter versus holding them to the bitter end? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's not good, JB. I think I've got it. I think that's an area you mentioned doing it throughout. I think there's times when you're in scoring position, and then I think there's other times for various reasons that those have come up. But um, you know, th- those are things that you you want to make sure that you have at your disposal, specifically in the second half. And um, you know, e- every single one of them has a little bit different narrative and story to it. But but those are things that. I think I do have to be uh, critical and honest with myself about uh, being utilizing those uh, in, in better times and understanding what comes up that you feel like you need to utilize them and, and try to avoid those as we move forward. Can I bury the old thought that you you, you shouldn't burn a timeout on defense? I mean, that used oh, to yeah. be the thing. No, I mean, yeah, that's, London I Fletcher. Yesterday, yeah, go ahead. You know, when we used that yesterday, I, I just think uh, I thought it was really important, especially when you look at how low it got in the game and, you know, I had confidence we're going to get that stop. And, and in some instances, you're saying you're not really competing against the clock anymore. And their urgency isn't as critical because there's so much time left. And so let's gather ourselves. Let's let 99 and some of our other rushers catch a blow, take a peek at their formation that they want to be able to activate and um, and really give ourselves to just kind of recalibrate and, and figure out how we play these last couple snaps to ultimately win the game. What would have led to us being able to take a knee? But um Sometimes it's a gut feel, but I but I agree. What were you saying about London? I was just saying. I mean, I I know people when you when you do that and you're on defense, people just blow their stack because that's what they think. You shouldn't burn timeouts on defense. But when you're facing an explosive offense, or when you're in a situation where you can give your defensive front a blow, it's actually the right move. You know totally. what I mean? Even if I, I feel the same way, I really do. And I think um, you know the good thing is is it's always about what's best for the football team and. Um, you know, and that was what we felt like in that moment. And, and, you know, typically that might go against the norm, but I, uh, I definitely think there's a time and a place, uh, given the circumstances that the defense can absolutely use some of those timeouts. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, hoping for some more production on the edge to circle back on that. Is Terrell Lewis getting any closer to making his Rams debut? It's a good question. You know, I, I think he's making progress. Uh, what does that mean in terms of, how quickly we can do that. I think, uh, you know, I've got to be able to connect with Reggie Scott and our medical group and see where we're at. Uh, this week would probably be a little bit optimistic, but you never know. When he's right, what do you think he can do? Like, who would you liken him to? At his, when he, if he reaches his potential, I mean, who's I think, out there that uh, looks like him? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a, in terms of what he looks like, he looks like a, a, a creative player on Madden. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's not enough inventory. Unfortunately, yeah. he got injured uh, fairly early. So I think he's got to create a name for himself and, and create those opportunities and, and be able to show that he can be a key contributor for our defense uh, if he's able to return from, from IR and, and contribute accordingly. But I know he's going to have great leadership from Chris Shula. And uh, I know we are excited about when that time comes to see what he can do. But there's still, uh, you know, a lot of things that he's got to be able to prove to do that. 
had a couple of special teams thoughts. Uh, the defense did a nice job covering it up, but the opening kick does come out to the 42. And then in the third quarter, Andre Roberts brings one out from five or six yards deep in his end zone. It, it made me wonder, do you expect opposing teams are going to test your coverage units, your, your kick cover unit, until they, they prove otherwise? I think so. I think you just said it. Uh, we've got to do a better job there. Um, yesterday's opening kick was, was not good enough. That was a big emphasis that Coach Bono and had made all week. And um, a couple guys got out of their lane. They didn't play their leverages the right way. And, and um, you know, and, and they ended up getting a big return. Fortunately, like you mentioned, our defense kind of got us out of that hole and, and forced them to go three and out. But but we do have to do a better job in our coverage units and, and kick off uh, the two kickoffs that they had yesterday. We got to cover better. Where'd that first one land? Was that in the end zone? The or? first one, no, the first one wasn't. You know, the first one was right around like the two or the three. Okay. But, uh, you know, he ended up taking getting a 39-yard return on it. Right, right. Uh, you got to cover, but, I mean, banging it out of the back of the end zone would always help. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Sam, you know, I think he ended up having about six kickoffs, four of them for touchbacks, two of them were return balls. And uh, I, we've got the right guys. Uh, we just got to continue to get them to understand the importance of that phase. And, um it's uh, it's a it's a great op for us to respond and, and, and see how we do next week. How about going the other way with Raymond Calais making his Rams debut? Didn't get any opportunities, but is that something that you would like to well, keep him active on game day to have at your disposal? Yeah, I think we'll see. Uh, I think uh, you felt good about that because Cam was inactive. So, you know, to be able to, to have him and uh, Xavier Jones up, uh, you know, you almost have a couple spots to be able to give. And he did a nice job, uh, you know, throughout the course of the week, and we'll see uh, we'll see what this week looks like based on Cam's availability. And and what does Johnny Hecker do on a week like this after not playing? Did a great job holding. <laughs> did a great job holding. He had some good clean holds, and uh, his energy on the sidelines is something that's very tangible. And, yeah. You know, for a guy that uh, you know, sometimes you don't know. And, and and crazy thing is, in an ideal world, he's never activated as a punter because that means the offense is doing good stuff. So true. He's the epitome of 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 a team guy. It's why he has consistently been almost a unanimous selection from his players voting on him as a captain. And uh, I think you guys know what a special person and, and player he is, but. You know, those punters and them not getting uh, very much work at all is just fine with me as an offensive coach. Uh, the long field drive, the 97-yard drive, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, Cooper Cup's got to field that at the 10 or whatever yard line it was to make sure that doesn't happen. But I'm sure there was a, a high-risk possibility there that he just didn't like what he saw to get out of the way and not uh, give it back to the other team. Yeah, the best part about Cooper Cup, though, is when you look at it today, you know, before anything can be said, the first thing he does is say, I got to do a better job of fielding this. I think he lost uh, kind of where he was there. And, um, God, he's so accountable and he has, uh, he's everything that you want in terms of what your guys to, to represent. But those are things that uh, he owns and, and he's getting familiar with it. But, but I think when you, especially, you know, the trajectory and, and, and some of the tail on that kick. If you lose it, you're not really sure where you're at. I, I, I think that's a decision that you say this could be catastrophic if you kind of lose it and you don't field it clean. And, um, you know, you got to trust your gut instinct in the moment, and that's what he did. Oh, I see it. When he catches the ball in the middle of the field and he bounces off of guys, I mean, eventually that punt return is going to work out. He's going to get into the return, and who knows, man, look out. Something big that's could right. happen. I agree. Hopefully, no more left-footed punters on your schedule. I'll have to look ahead on, on <laughs> there, that one. There is a there is a couple, uh -oh. so we'll, we'll see. All right, the Coach McVeigh Show brought to you by In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. After a two and one start, the Rams are back at SoFi Stadium to take on the winless New York Giants. We'll preview it with the head coach of your Rams next on 710 ESPN.
All right, welcome back to LA Live, downtown Los Angeles with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long, and from up north at the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks, Sean McVay is with us. And uh, for those who don't know, Sean actually spent a good bit of time with Doc Rivers uh, throughout you know, his tenure with the Clippers in Los Angeles. He and Steve Ballmer calling it a mutual decision to uh, part ways with the Clippers uh, this afternoon. Sean, just wanted to give you a chance to react to that and kind of bring us up to speed on what Doc has meant you know, throughout the Zoom meetings this summer and stuff, just giving you some coaching perspective. He's meant a lot to me. Uh, I think he's one of the epitomes of what it looks like to lead and, and to be a stable of uh, you know a staple of consistency and how you communicate at the highest level with your players and uh, the balance of care and candor and man is he awesome uh, that's a huge loss for the you know just for LA but also for the Clippers and you know he's gonna uh, you know he's gonna make somebody really lucky wherever he ends up if that's what he chooses to do but he and I have uh, stayed in contact. He really means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the best things about the platform that uh, being in this role uh, provides is an opportunity to get to know special people like him. And uh, he's he's a great coach and an even more special man. And, uh, you know, I, I love Doc Rivers. Are there any young coaches you mentor? You talk to I don't him? know about that. I'm yeah. too young to be mentoring anybody. I mean, there might uh, be you know, somebody, uh, yeah. I'd call no, you for I, advice. <laughs> well i appreciate you saying that but uh you know what um i, I think uh you know the best thing that that, that that i could do is just be able to learn and and listen and then it gives you a chance to, to better lead and um you know I've, I've really been lucky to to be exposed to to a lot of really special people and, and especially even in our building and so um you know that's kind of uh that, that's where it is i don't know i, I try to help out but think more for me is uh, it's about listening to learn and, and then you can lead better well, we'll ask Sean McVay about the matchup with the New York Giants upcoming as we complete this edition of the Coach McVay show live from Los Angeles but I want to go big picture across the league for just a second you know the PI on Darius Williams notwithstanding penalties have been down across the league Sean and scoring has been up as you come off of this you know unprecedented offseason Generally, is that the way you prefer, and have you enjoyed that as a head coach uh, so far this season? Yeah, I think uh, I think they, they've done a nice job of letting guys play, and, and it's always a balance of things that are egregious, but um, I don't think you ever want to disrupt the integrity of, of letting guys get into a, a rhythm and a routine to, to be able to play ball, and um, and I think that's what these first couple weeks have reflected, so they've done a nice job. I've answered for you. Uh, someone asked me, how do you get up for an 0-3 team? I said, I bet he coaches them like New York is 3-0. and It doesn't matter who you play. It matters how you play. Totally. They're, they're- I mean, you, you, absolutely. I mean, it, you, this, is, this league is, is too difficult. It's too uh, – you, you get easily humbled, and, you know, you don't look at that. You look at the tape, you respect your opponent, and you get ready to go and, and understand that uh, – you know, everybody gets paid and there's a lot of uh, really high level coaches and players. And if you're not ready to go, you get smacked in the face. I know you said earlier that you're not using the back to back East Coast trips as any excuse, but certainly in terms of your routine and what you're able to do between now and Sunday afternoon, being back at SoFi Stadium has to be a positive. Yeah, it, it's it, it makes it a little bit easier in terms of the intricacies with traveling and things like that. But but like we've said, JB, um, you know, it's about being ready to go whenever you kick off. Uh, the, the travel has been really seamless the last couple weeks. If you said, is it easier to not have to travel cross country and be able to sleep in your own bed, you know, which we've been able to do on Friday nights. And then you go to the hotel on Saturdays and get up and, and have a short drive to SoFi. Yeah, that's ideal. But 
nonetheless, no excuse not to be ready. And and uh, this week we want to make sure that we make our second game at SoFi a good one. Uh, it's it's fun. I mean, that stadium is is fun to play at. And look, I think uh, is the t- it's a fast track. It seems like like your offense flows be- well. It plays anywhere, but. In that stadium, it seems like everybody's faster, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it seemed like it was a fast track, like you mentioned, when we played there a, a few weeks back, which now seems like an eternity ago against the Cowboys, and we're excited about that opportunity come on Sunday. What do you know about the Giants so far besides their record? Yeah, not a whole lot. You know, I, I know they've got really good players. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, Coach Judge and, and Coach Graham are, are going to have their, their defense ready to go. Coach Garrett's had a lot of success in this league offensively, and um, you know, they, they do a great job on special teams. So I, I, I would say that this usually reflects where you kind of close the book and, and you start to really dive into them uh, as soon as we get this call over with. You know, I, I feel bad. I, you know, I, I'm it's good for you, but I, I feel bad for Saquon Barkley. I mean, guys get hurt, especially a young guy like that. I mean, you wish he was active, but I mean, you're kind of happy he's not at the same time. Kind of weird, right? Yeah, I hate that. You know, I, I you know, I, I got to meet him and what a class, uh, impressive humble special talent he is uh, he spent some time out here in the off season and you know you never want to see that you know I, I, I love this game so much and, and the high caliber players that you've seen go down whether it's he or Bosa and you just never want to see that there's too much work that goes into it and even though uh, in some instances it makes it a little bit easier for us not having to play against a player of his caliber you never want it like that and I think you would feel the same way as we go to week four, I was thinking for the first time the Rams don't necessarily have to be concerned about a true dual-threat quarterback given the gauntlet they just ran. But here's Daniel Jones as a result of what you just spoke of, leading his team with 92 rushing yards through three games. I was going to say, not so fast, JB. This guy can <laughs> run. He's an athlete, uh, does a, you know, a really good job of being able to keep plays uh, you know, alive with, with his athleticism. And even going back to Duke, he could do that. And then when you see a lot of the games we crossed over with him last year, I was really impressed with him as a rookie and his poise. And he's going to be a challenger without a doubt. Well, yeah, let's just keep him, you know, let's keep losing teams losing. That's what I, that's what Vermeil taught me. You know, there you go. that's how you let's make the playoffs. It. Yeah. I, I, I like talking about people, but I want to beat their head in too. No uh, question. Uh, you know, just real quick, um, you know, I, I guess you can say depth charts are in pencil. Uh, in in certain respects, in regards to let's say edge guys, do you open it up for everyone to get a shot at this point, or do you stay with what you've been doing? Yeah, I think uh, you know we're always competing, we're always evaluating. Uh, we've got some guys, you know, Leonard Floyd's done a really nice job. I think you always continue to evaluate. Samson's played a lot of good football for us. I think he would be the first to admit he can do some things better uh, than what he did yesterday, but. Um, you know, doesn't change our confidence in him and, uh, and, and what we think he can do moving forward. But Oboe is going to continue to step up. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Terrell Lewis. And, you know, Justin Hollins is a guy that has some experience in this system uh, from being with Coach Daly in, in Denver. So, you know, we'll look at it. But, but Chris, you will have those guys ready to go this week without a doubt. One other box score item that stood out to me, Josh Reynolds, 62 snaps at receiver versus only eight for Van Jefferson. Any any thought process you can share with us behind what made Buffalo the, the time for Josh to shine? Yeah, he did a good job. I just think the way that the game kind of unfolded and, and some of the ways that we were operating, um, you know, just, just felt more comfortable with some of that continuity. But Van will uh, continue to get his chances, but but Josh did a nice job delivering yesterday on, on his ops. And uh, Higby and Everett, I mean, the tight end position, four catches, about 74 yards. I mean, uh, going forward, if you want to run a two-tight offense, it's always good when both tight ends can be dangerous. 
That's right. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we were, we kind of were limited to just staying in 11 a little bit because Higby had to go in and, and get an IV at one point in the game. And so, um, that's where I think you saw a little bit less of our, uh, you know, 12 personnel grouping, but, um, you can expect to see that being a big part of what we do as we move forward. Coach McVay show brought to you by in and out. That's what a hamburger is all about. We've reached the point in the night where uh, JB Long asks his wild card question of the week. Uh, oh, boy. Sean McVay, yeah, Sean McVay's <laughs> reaction is usually along those lines. Um, out of left field, of course, uh, I was looking at uh, quarterback depth charts around the league. For instance, Chicago has, has made a quarterback change. It made me think about all the former quarterbacks, Sean, including yourself, that you have on staff. How would you rank the Rams coaches who played quarterback? Ooh. Zach Robinson, Ooh. Brandon Staley, others, yourself. You, oh wow! If push really came and, to shove and you had to activate, and one be of them. honest, shoot, you didn't. You know, Kevin O'Connell and Liam Cohen were pretty good ones too. Oh, there's so. a lot. I know. There's there's a lot. Uh, you know, those guys. Uh, well, I could definitely assure you that I'm last. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm old. Every time I even try to open it up or throw, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm you know 34 going on 84. So. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think it'd have to be something we'd open up for competition, have to evaluate. We'll see who can really change the launch point and who can make plays on the move. So that's a good question. I just know this. Every time I've seen uh, my man Liam Combe get up underneath or when I'm seeing Zach Robinson throw to the receivers, he looks like he's got a lively young arm. So I've been pretty impressed from what I've seen from Zach. That's what made me thought of it, think of it, actually, was watching just kind of like eavesdropping on some of the pregame stuff, how many of your coaches spin it and still look like they're in shape to go out and do it. Oh, yeah. No, I th- who would you say? You look like you've been evaluating it closer than me. Well, I'm, I'm biased, Zach towards, to, I'm biased yeah. towards Zach because I covered him uh, in Stillwater at, yep. um, at Oklahoma fun. State. Yeah. In fact, He's a I was baller, in, isn't he? I was yeah, in man. the room when, uh, when Gundy went on his little I'm a man, I'm 40 <laughs> tirade, which have you ever asked Zach about that, Sean? I have, uh, you know, and we'll uh, talk about that off. Uh, <laughs> but Zach was a hell of a competitor. I mean, you, you look at it, you know, and, and he could he could create with his legs. Yeah. He's got a lively arm. I mean, he was, he's a baller. So I, I think, uh, you know, Zach definitely can still do it without a doubt in my mind. Well, as Zach was preparing to get married uh, last season, I told him that the night that Aqib Talib picked him off at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater was the night I met my wife in Tulsa. So I thanked him wow. for getting that out of his system and getting it over with. So I actually got back to Tulsa in time. <laughs> there you go. Hey, all Apropos about, of uh, absolute all about nothing. that. Uh, Sean, thank you for your time. Yes, uh, we appreciate what you said about 2-1 and one feeling different than 3-0 and oh last year. And uh, we hope that comes to fruition starting in week four against the New York Giants. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, get them. Marco right. Farr, I'm JB Long. This has been the Coach McFay Show on 710 ESPN.